Nehemiah 11 and 12. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much um, just for the opportunity to be here this morning. We have so much, so much to be thankful for. Lord, we thank you for um, the breath that you give us, Lord, the ability to be here this morning. I pray that you would um, be with me as I preach, that I would be faithful to your word, Lord, that I'd be faithful to what um, I've studied, and that um, I would uh, clearly and accurately convey uh, the truths of your word this morning. Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. So before we dive in to Nehemiah 11 and 12, a little background for us to help us um, if you've been, um, either if you're newer here, you haven't been here through the whole series of Ezra and Nehemiah, or um, you just need a helpful reminder. Okay, Nehemiah's goal um, has been to get the people living back in Jerusalem, okay, uh, with a completed temple, city wall, and houses, and people to live in those houses. Uh, Nehemiah wanted proper worship to be restored so that God would get the glory. He wanted his people to return uh, to the land that God had promised them so that God would get the glory. If you've been paying attention so far, you'll recognize um, that the temple has been rebuilt and the walls have been rebuilt. Okay, so now there's just one last objective here, uh, which is repopulate the city of Jerusalem. Remember back to Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 4. Nehemiah 7, 4 says, The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been rebuilt. So even with the temple and the wall being rebuilt, um, there were almost no people living in the city. Uh, so in chapter in Nehemiah 8, and, 8 through 10, Nehemiah is getting the people ready uh, to resettle the city. Okay, the people hear the law. Um, Ezra gives the law, and they're overcome with guilt over their sin. They make a covenant with God um, that they will follow him and his ways above their, their own ways and their desires. As we saw last week, the people committed themselves to God um, by pursuing holiness with joy. And here in Nehemiah 11 and 12, the people take the necessary steps to repopulate the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, it's no secret that God's people are called to holiness. It's a clear commandment, both the Old and New Testaments. Leviticus 19.2, 1 Peter 1.16, just as uh, two examples, there's many more. Um, and as believers, we have been called to fight our sin and to grow closer to God each and every day. Holiness for the believer is a lifelong pursuit. And as we pursue holiness, we are given the joy that only God can give us as we serve him, as we pursue holiness, we should be changing to become more and more like Jesus. In our passage today, we see God's people here show the results of pursuing holiness with joy. So today we have three points in our passage today. We see three results of pursuing holiness with joy. Three results of pursuing holiness with joy. Point number one. Pursuing holiness results in joyful sacrifice. Pursuing holiness results in joyful sacrifice. Follow along with me in uh, starting in verse uh, 1 of chapter 11. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. 
These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. But in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived certain of the sons of Judah and the sons of Benjamin, of the sons of Judah, Athiah, the son of Uzziah, son of Zechariah, son of Amariah, son of Shephthiah, son of Mahaliel, of the sons of Perez, and Messiah, the son of Baruch, son of Kolhoza, son of Haziah, son of Adiah son of Jehoiarib, son of Zechariah, son of the Shilonite. All of the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. And these are the sons of Benjamin, Salu, the son of Meshulam, son of Joed, son of Padiah, son of Koliah, son of Messiah, son of Ethiel, son of Jeshuiah, oh boy, and his brothers, men of valor, Joel, 928, Joel, the son of Zikri, was their overseer, and Judah, the son of Hasuna, was second over the city. Of the priest, Jedidiah, the son of Jehoirib, Jachin, Sariah, the son of Hilkiah, son of Meshulam, son of Zadok, son of Marioth, son of Atub, ruler of the house of God, and their brothers who did the work of the house, 822. And Adiah, the son of Jehoram, son of Peliah, son of Amzi, son of Zechariah, son of Pasher, son of Malchijah, and his brothers, heads of fathers' houses, 242. And Amashai, the son of Azarel, son of Azai, son of Meshulamoth, son of Emer, and their brothers, mighty men of valor. Their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of Hagoladim. And of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashab, son of Azikaram, son of Hashabiah, son of Buni, and Shabbathiah, and Josabad, of the chiefs of the Levites, who were over the outside work of the house of God. And Mataniah, the son of Mekah, son of Zabdi, son of Asaph, who was the leader of the, of the praise, who gave thanks, and Babukiah, the second among his brothers, and Abda, the son of Shemua, son of Galal, son of Jeduthun. All the Levites in the holy city were 284. The gatekeepers, Akub, Talman, and their brothers, who kept watch at the gates, were 172, and the rest of Israel and of the priests and the Levites were in all of the towns of Judah, each one in his inheritance. But the temple servants lived on Ophel, and Zia and, Gish- and Gishva were over the temple servants. The overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, son of Hashabiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micah, of the sons of Asaph, the singers over the work of the house of God. From there was a command from the king concerning them, and a fixed provision for the singers, as every day required. And Pethiah, the son of Meshabazel, of the son of Zerah, the son of Judah, was at the king's side in all matters concerning the people. And as for the villages with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kirith Arba and its villages, and Deban and its villages, and in Jechabzeel and its villages, and in Jeshua and in Molda, and in Beth Pelay, and Hazar Shual, and Beersheba and its villages, and Ziklag, and Makona and its villages, and in Raman, and Zorah, and Jarmuth, Zenoah, Adullam, and their villages, Lachish and its fields, and Azekah and its villages, so they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The people of Benjamin also lived from Geba onward at Michmash, Ijah, Bethel and its villages, Ananoth, Nob, Ananiah, Hazor, Ramah, Gideon, Hadid, Zeboim, Nebelet, Lod, and Ono, the valley of craftsmen, and certain divisions of the Levites and Judah were assigned to Benjamin. Chapter 12. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Shelthiel, and Jeshua, Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Amariah, Maluk, Hattish, Shekinah, Raham, Merimoth, Ido, Ginnathoi, Ab- Abijah, Mijamin, Madiah, Bilga, Shemaiah, Joharib, Jedidias, Salu, Amok, 
Hilkiah, Jediah. These were the chiefs of the priests and of the brothers in the days of Jeshua. And the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Kadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Matthiah, who was with his brothers, were in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. And Babukiah and Uni and their brothers stood opposite them in the service. And Jeshua was the father of Joachim, Joachim the father of Elisha, Elisha the father of Jehida, Jehida the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan the father of Jehuda. And in the days of Joachim were priests, head of fathers' houses of Sariah, Moriah, of Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshulam, of Amariah, Jehoanan, and of Maluki, Jonathan, of Shab. Shab- Shabina, Joseph, of Harim, Adna, of Marioth, Helkai, of Ido, Zechariah, of Ginnathon, Meshulam, of Abijah, Zikri, of Miniman, of Moida, Piltai, of Bilga, Shamua, of Shemaiah, Jehonathan, of Jehoirib, Mataniah, of Jediah, Uzi, of Salai, Kalai, of Amok, Eber, of Hilkinah, Hashabiah, of Jedidiah, Nathanel. In the days of Elishib, Jehoiada, Johanin, and Jadua, the Levites were recorded as heads of fathers' houses. So too were the priests in the reign of Darius the Persian. As for the sons of Levi, their heads of fathers' houses were written in the book of the Chronicles until the days of Jehoanin, the son of Elishib, and the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherbiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them to praise and to give thanks according to the commandments of David, the man of God, watch by watch. Mataniah, Babukiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talman, Akub were gatekeepers standing guard at the storehouses of the gates. These were in the days of Joachim, the son of Jeshua, son of Josadak, and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and of Ezra, the priest and the scribe. Forgive me if I take a quick drink. All right. So the holy city of Jerusalem, at this time where we're at, Nehemiah 11 and 12 is nowhere near what it used to be um, in the days of King Solomon. King Solomon's kingdom was so prosperous, just to give you an idea if you're not aware, 1 Kings 10.21 tells us that silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. Jerusalem was the place to be. Right? If, you wanted to be, uh, if, you, if you were living during Solomon's reign, you wanted to be close to the action and close to the prosperity now, we also know that during the end of Solomon's reign, uh, right, the people and the king became spiritually bankrupt. So despite all of their wealth, despite everything that God had done for them, they were spiritually bankrupt, which ultimately led to their exile. Now, here in Nehemiah 11, uh, right at the beginning here in verse 1, we see the leaders were the only people at this time who were living in Jerusalem, a far cry from where Jerusalem had been. Even though the temple and the walls had been completed, people still needed to repopulate the city if this was going to work. What was the solution to this issue? Well, we see in verse 1 that one out of every tenth person would be chosen by lots to live in Jerusalem. In other words, these people would move everything that they had to go live in Jerusalem. Why were they doing this? Well, verse 1, again, describes Jerusalem as the holy city. The focal point of Ezra and Nehemiah's ministries was reestablishing the city of Jerusalem as a city that was set apart from the world or made holy. One-tenth of the people would resettle themselves in Jerusalem, and the other nine-tenths would remain in the towns outside of the city. Verse 2 tells us those that 
who were uh, cast, uh, who were chosen out of the lots, willingly volunteered for this. They they stepped up after the lots the lots were cast, and it tells us that they they were making a big decision. Why? Because the people blessed all the men who were willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. This resettlement task required great sacrifice on behalf of these people in order to rebuild their homes in Jerusalem. Everyone was aware that this move was going to take considerable effort. They had to either tear down or abandon their homes that they had spent so much time um, building up and restart completely in this city of Jerusalem. By casting lots, Nehemiah wants the people to know that it's not him who is calling the people to do this, it's God who is calling them to do this. God was calling these people to make this sacrifice. Now, I read a lot of names there, right? Um, We've seen this several times in Ezra and Nehemiah, right? A bunch of lists, a bunch of names, um, and this concludes our our last big list here um, in Nehemiah 11 and 12 for for both books, Ezra and Nehemiah, right? Uh, Chapter 11, 3 through 36, contains those who volunteered to resettle, those who were chosen by the lots and and willingly volunteered themselves to resettle this land. And then uh, chapter 12, 1 through 26, contains the list of the Levites and the priests who served with uh, all the way from the beginning with Zerubbabel all the way to the present day uh, when this was being uh, recorded. And at this point, we've already seen several of these lists, right? There's a lot of names here. There's a lot of people from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin who are involved in this resettlement. There are priests, there are Levites, there are song leaders, there are gatekeepers. There are even, let's even mention those who lives in the village, out, the villages outside of Jerusalem. So not even contained with those who just live in Jerusalem. Each one of these people played an important role as a part of God's people. Each one of these people served God in their God-given capacities faithfully. Right? Because there was a job to do. Everyone understood that if this was going to work, if this repopulation effort was going to work, that they had to make the sacrifice and they had to serve how God wanted them to serve and how God had called each one of them to serve. Each of these people had places to serve where God had called them. Like I said, there was priests, there was Levites, gatekeepers. Each one of them called to serve joyously. The rest of the people were called to serve so that the priests and the Levites would be taken care of. While it was a great sacrifice for the people, they could sacrifice joyfully because God had called them to it. If you are here in Christ this morning, if you're a believer, you are a vital part of the body of Christ. I don't say this to puff you up or make yourself feel good, so if it makes you feel good, sit down for a second. I say this because you have been given gifts, abilities, and talents that God has given you to serve him and to serve his church. Right? When we pursue holiness, when we properly understand holiness, we understand the necessity of serving where we are faithfully, wherever God has placed us. Right? We fight the sins of self-service and selfishness. We can faithfully serve our families. We can serve our church. And we can faithfully serve God. Right? God has equipped you to serve, so faithfully serve where God has placed you. Right? Because these people were pursuing holiness, they could joyfully sacrifice when God called them to do it. Right? When we are pursuing holiness ourselves, we also joyfully make sacrifices. Right? Now, I think 
when we first think of sacrifices, we might think of probably two things that come to mind. Um, one is financial. Oh, I need to give more. I need to give more money. Um, that might be true for you. It might be um, even a call to, to missions. Oh, I need to uh, pack up everything that I, that I own and, and head to a um, head to somewhere to to share the gospel um, with others. And that also could be true for you as well. But one thing I think that we all face, that we all um, are called to sacrifice at one point or another, um, is how we use our time for the Lord. Right? We have so many things that are vying for our attention. Right? It's youth sports extended family gatherings, work pressures. We have all kind of things, um, just to name a few examples, that are, that are, that are pulling for our time. Right? And despite everything pulling for our attention, despite the, maybe the programs, the extracurriculars that we're involved in, or our kids are involved in, we don't suddenly just have more time to fit these things in, right? even if they're good things. So what do we do? Naturally, what are we tempted to do? We start to decommit from things. Right, our culture now um, views Sunday as just another day to plan stuff. It's just another day. Who, who cares, right? It's just it's a, it's a, you know another another weekends, another day to plan stuff. As Christians, we face a significant pressure to cave to making Sundays just another day. If you're here this morning, right, you 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 did you whether you thought about it or not, you made a commitment and a sacrifice to come here this morning, right? Um, if you're serious about pursuing holiness, then being a part of a church is vital to your spiritual health, right? If, if, if you are pursuing holiness, uh, church is a no-brainer, and church attendance is a no-brainer, right? We want to make church a priority because it's, it's for our good, right? We, even though we, we might have to, that means if we're going to, you know, get involved in our church, if we're going to, you know, faithfully attend services, right, if we're going to uh, serve our families how God wants us to serve them, it might mean that we have to say no to other things, right? But that's okay because sacrificing our time for our families and our church is absolutely worth it every time. Pursuing holiness results in joyful sacrifice. God's people can faithfully serve with joyful sacrifice when we are properly pursuing holiness. Second, we see pursuing holiness results in joyful worship. Pursuing holiness results in joyful worship. Let's pick up in uh, chapter 12, verse 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Nedophatites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of, region of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south of the wall to the dung gate, and after them went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priests' sons with trumpets. Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachar, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azrael, Milali, Gilgali, Malai, Ma'ai, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra, the scribe, went before them. At the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall above the house of David, to the water gate on the east. 
The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens, to the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, and by the gate of Yeshana, and by the fish gate, and the tower of Hanel, and the tower of the hundred, to the sheep gate, and they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me, and the priests Elakim, Masiah, Miniman, Micaiah, Elonii, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets, and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, Jehoinan, Malchijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang with Jezariah as their leader, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. The time has come for God's people to dedicate the wall to the Lord. Right, to, to begin the resettlement effort, right? But they've got to celebrate. They have to give thanks to God for all that he has done for them up to this point, right? Ezra, Nehemiah, and the people knew the only reason they were there, the only reason they were able to finish the temple and the wall was because God allowed them to finish it. They'd gone through many trials to get to this point, right? But how do the people respond? Verse 27 tells us that the people celebrated the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals, harps, and liars, right? Because the people were pursuing holiness God's way, they understood that all the praise and all of the glory belongs to him, right? Pursuing holiness results in joyful and thankful worship that is pleasing to the Lord. How do these people respond to God's goodness to them? They appoint two choirs. Nehemiah appoints two choirs to give thanks to the Lord. And this really can only be described as a giant worship service as these two choirs start at different points and continue singing throughout Jerusalem um, to the Lord. Not only were the choirs giving thanks and singing praises to God, but verse 43 tells us that the people were able to offer great sacrifices to the Lord because he had made them rejoice with great joy, right? The source of their joy was not found in their own abilities, emotions, or their own service. The source of their joy was from God himself. The worship was so great in Jerusalem that it was heard far away. Their worship was not based on an emotional reaction or a feeling. It was based on the faithfulness of God. When you worship the Lord in singing, prayer or studying his word corporately or privately are you doing it just to go through the motions are you doing it because this is just what we do i'm a christian so i I sing and i i do all that kind of stuff or are you worshiping god with thankfulness for what he has done and what he will do and who he is right the correct response to joy is to worship the lord with thankfulness when god gives us joy we can do nothing else but worship and give thanks to him loudly Each week, we get to gather as a congregation to bring praise and worship to God. We shouldn't take this lightly, the fact that we get to gather together here as a congregation and worship together. Our worship service should be something that we look forward to. When we gather as a body of believers, we have the opportunity to bring praise to the Lord with thanksgiving. Listen to Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. Right? Why do we praise God? Because God deserves all our praise. If Jesus has saved you from your sins, you have a great reason to be one of the most joyful people on this planet. Right? No matter what else is going on. Right? It, is, it is only through Jesus' death on the cross that we can offer our thanksgiving to God. Right? When we pursue holiness, we cannot help but approach worship with joy and thankfulness. Pursuing holiness results in joyful worship. Third and lastly, we see pursuing holiness results in joyful obedience. Pursuing holiness results in joyful obedience. Let's pick up at verse 44 in chapter 12. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them the portion required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all people in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers. And they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. As the people continuously offered their praise to God, they continued to respond by appointing um, men over these different areas, storerooms, contributions, first fruits, and tithes for the temple, so that these would be collected in the correct amounts that the law required of them. Right? They also performed the services of purification, just like they did in verse 30 of chapter 12, that the Mosaic law required of them. Why did the people make this change? Why did the people start doing this? It wasn't based on a fad or what the customs of the day were. It was based on God's word commanding them to do it. Right? The people understood that if they were going to pursue holiness, then they would need to obey the word of God and obey it joyfully. The people did not base their worship or the restructuring on anything else other than God's word and what God's word commanded them to do. Right? They didn't base their worship or obedience on what everyone else was doing. They based their worship and obedience on who God was. Right? Joyful obedience requires us to deal with our sin. Right? If we are going to pursue holiness, if we are going to be joyful about it, we have to deal with our sin. It requires obedience. Right? These sins might be the ones um, that we keep from other people or we try to convince ourselves. It's not that big of a deal. Look at what that person's doing over there. Mine, not so bad. Right? Um, those sins that we willingly commit because we believe our way are better than God's way. Right? When we pursue holiness, we put to death the sins of the flesh in order to serve God. We fight our sin because obedience to God is worth the struggle. We're going to pursue holiness. It's going to require obedience. Right? I just spent, uh, my wife and son and I, we just spent Thanksgiving at my parents' house. So we spent a couple of days down in Zionsville, uh, right outside of Indianapolis there. Um, and we got to spend some time not just with my parents, but with my, my brother and my sister-in-law and their two kids, my niece and nephew. Okay, So 
in our house, in my parents' house, we had three kids under three and a half years old um, running around and having a good time, right? So my, my, uh, my nephew is three and a half years old. My, uh, my son is 18 months old here in a couple days. And then uh, my niece is, is 16 months old, so two months younger than my, than my son Bennett. And uh, my niece just started walking uh, last week. So naturally, it was, some people would say chaotic. I would not say, I would not use that term chaotic, um, but it was, it was energetic. I'll say that. It was a very energetic time um, in the Gerber household for Thanksgiving this year, right? Uh, now, my son and then my niece and my nephew um, are at the ages where they do understand the word no, right? They don't maybe understand our motivations behind telling them no, whether it's for their safety or that we don't want them messing with something. Um, but they do understand if, I, if we say no, they understand we want them to stop, right? Um, now, there was a couple times, this happened a couple times this past weekend, where one of them would say, hey, no, don't, you know, don't do that, only for them to look at us and make the, you know, make the little thought process go through their heads of, they've told me no, I'm going to do it anyway, right? And I'm going to do it joyfully, what I'm not supposed to be doing, right? Um, naturally, some sort of correction followed that disobedience, right? Um, but when we disobey God, a lot of times, and most of the time, that's exactly our attitude. Right? Lord, I know you don't want me to do this thing. I know you have clearly said that it is, um, that it is sin, but I'm going to do it anyway because that looks fun, um, and frankly, I know better than you do. Right? That's, that's what we can say sometimes when we uh, disobey God and we fall into sin. Right? The mature Christian is able to overcome the temptation to sin and to turn to God in obedience. Right? This is wholehearted, joyful obedience. That is only found as a result of holiness. Because we are pursuing holiness, we can joyfully obey God's commands with everything that we are. That means we can joyfully read God's Word and obey it with everything that we are. We can see where we must make changes right, to, to be better in line with what God commands of us. Right? We can fight our sin and obey God because of the Holy, because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Right? We can pursue holiness not by our own work, but because of Christ's work for us. Pursuing holiness results in joyful obedience. Holiness is not optional for the believer. Right? If you're a believer, you have been called to holiness. The pursuit of holiness is not optional for the believer. Holiness is a lifelong pursuit. Right? And as we pursue holiness, we will joyfully sacrifice where God asks us to sacrifice. As we pursue holiness, we will bring joyful worship before the Lord that is pleasing to Him. And as we pursue holiness, we will joyfully obey the Lord and His commands and His word to us. Now, it seems like a tall order, right? But the wonderful thing about holiness is that it doesn't depend on us. Right? Listen to 2 Timothy 1. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been, made, has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished debt, death and brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel. We pursue holiness because Jesus has paid our penalty that we deserve when he died on the cross. 
for our sins, for your sin, right? The call to holiness is not based on anything that we have done, but instead it is based on God's own purpose and grace through Christ Jesus, right? Our desire to pursue holiness is a response to the gospel, Right? The joy that God gives us when we pursue holiness and fight our sin is through the glorious work of Christ. Christian, today, pursue holiness with joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for who you are, for what you do each and every day. Lord, we, we pray that we, would, uh, that we would continue to be Uh, faithful to you just as you are faithful to us each and every day lord and uh, we pray that when we when we do fail because we will um, when we do fall into sin that we would be that we would be quick to confess Lord. that we would be quick um, to go to you to confess our sin to confess our sin to others lord so that we can continue pursuing holiness um, with joy Lord, the way that you have called us to Lord, we thank you so much for this day we thank you for who you are lord we ask all these things in your name amen